Hello, everyone, and welcome to the GovCon Judicata podcast, a show providing news, insights, and legal analysis on a variety of issues in the government contracting space. It's also the home of the Bid Protest podcast segment, where we discuss GAO and Court of Federal Claims bid protest decisions, topics, and trends. My name is Joshua Duvall, and I'm your host, and I want to thank you for joining us on today's episode of the GovCon Judicata podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the GovCon Judicata podcast. My name is Joshua Duvall, and I'm your host. And I want to thank you for joining us today as we discuss debriefings and what contractors can do to get the most out of them. Now, before we launch into the the podcast, I want to put two thoughts up front uh, that are, I think, germane to debriefings. One is that they're an information-gathering exercise, and two, it is a relationship-building exercise. And so if you've got a debriefing, those are two thoughts that I think are worth at least solidifying in your mind, information gathering, relationship building. And so when are debriefings available? Well, they're available under FAR Part 15 negotiated procurements, as well as for task or delivery orders that exceed $5.5 million pursuant to FAR Subpart 16.505. And so if you're in a situation where you've got a negotiated procurement or a task or delivery order that exceeds that threshold, Uh, you'll have the right to receive a debriefing provided that it is timely requested. Now, what type of debriefings are there? Well, you've got a pre-award debriefing under FAR 15.505. So if if you have been excluded from competitive range, that's an option. And uh, the the post-award debriefing uh, is either in if you've been awarded the contract or if you have been notified that you're the unsuccessful offeror, you have the ability to receive a post-award debriefing. And so before we launch into the differences between the type of information that the agency is going to be providing offerors uh, in either of those debriefings, one thing that is important to mention at the top are the timeliness limitations. And so under both pre- and post-award debriefings, offers have three days to file their written request. Uh, for a pre-award debriefing, uh, you got three days after you received notice of exclusion from competition. And in the post-award debriefing, you've got three days after the date on which you receive notification of contract award to file this written request. And that's important because if it's timely filed, if you've timely requested the debriefing, it will be required. Uh, And that has uh, important rights if you choose to protest. So, for example, at GAO, the, the timeliness limitation there is 10 days known or should have known. But where a debriefing is timely requested and required, you've got 10 days from the date of the debriefing. Uh, when the debriefing ends to uh, file your protest. If you uh, wish to obtain a seek a stay of performance, so that's the Competition of Contracting Act, you have five days after the date on which the debriefing ends to file your uh, protest. So, But that's only available where the debriefing request is timely made. And so how do you know that? Well, we can go to FAR 33.101 for the definition. Filed means the complete receipt of any document by an agency before its close of business. Documents received after the close of business are considered filed as of the next day. And importantly, unless otherwise stated, the agency close of business is presumed to be 4.30 p.m. local time. Now, for example, going back to this Friday notification, if you file it on Monday at 1 p.m., you're good to go. You've timely filed your debriefing request. Therefore, the debriefing you receive will be required. If you filed it after the agency's close of business, say at 8 p.m. because you just got busy, It will be treated as if it were received on the fourth day, which means 
the agency might still give you a debriefing, it just won't be a required debriefing. And this sort of unfolded, unfortunately, at a, in a protest of exceptional software strategies, and that's file number B416232, dated July 12th, 2018. Uh, there, it looks like the offeror submit their debriefing request at 4.59 p.m., and the agency considered its protest to be untimely based on how the timeliness rules unfolded there. Uh, the protester tried to argue that the um, the National Security Agency operates 24-7, so it, the close of business wasn't 4.30 p.m., but the GAO wasn't uh, uh, buying that argument. So it's a, it's a good read if you want to get an idea of how this can happen, but to avoid this scenario under the protest of exceptional software strategies, B416232, uh, just get your your uh, debriefing uh, request in the day you receive the notification, and then you won't have to worry about that hiccup down the road. And so with that out of the way, now let's next turn to the type of information offerors are going to be receiving and not receiving uh, during their debriefs. And so under the uh, pre-award debriefing, under FAR 15.505, at a minimum, the pre-award debriefing shall include the agency's evaluation of significant elements in the offeror's proposal, a summary of the rationale for eliminating the offeror from competition and reasonable responses to relevant questions about whether source selection procedures containing the solicitation, applicable regs, and other authorities were followed in the process of eliminating you from competition. So you get three things at a minimum for a pre-award debrief. And a pre-award debrief is not going to include the number of offerors, the identity of other offerors, the content of their proposals, the ranking or their evaluation, or any other information prohibited in uh, FAR 15506E, which are the, the things that you're not going to be receiving in a post-award debriefing. And so turning to the post-award debriefing, uh, you're not going to receive a point-by-point -point comparison of your proposal. You're also not going to receive information exempt, for example, under the release uh, for, from FOIA. So that includes uh, trade secrets, privileged or confidential manufacturing processes and techniques, uh, commercial and confidential financial information that's privileged or confidential. So that includes uh, the cost breakdowns, the profit, the indirect cost rates. You're not going to get that information from your competitors. And you're also not going to get the names of individuals providing the reference information about your past performance. So now knowing that this is the information you're not going to be receiving in a post-award debriefing, but what are you going to be receiving? Well, you're going to be receiving uh, the government's evaluation of significant weaknesses or deficiencies in the offeror's proposal if applicable. And so what does that mean, significant weakness or deficiency? Well, we can turn again to the FAR, so 15.001 uh, for the definition. So a weakness is a flaw in the proposal that increases the risk of unsuccessful contract performance. A significant weakness, on the other hand, is a proposal flaw that appreciably, and we gotta love that word, appreciably increases the risk of unsuccessful contract performance. And conversely, over here, we have the, also the definition of deficiency, and that's really a two-parter. It's either a material failure of your proposal to meet a government requirement or a combination of significant weaknesses in a proposal that increases the unsuccessful contract performance to an unacceptable level. And so if either of these uh, uh, things were part of your evaluation, the agency is required under uh, 15506D1 uh, to provide that to you during the debrief. Now under 15506D2, you're also going to receive the overall evaluated cost or price, including the unit prices, as well as the technical rating of both the awardee and your offer. 
in addition, you're also going to receive uh, the past performance uh, you know, information on yourself. Um, you're also going to receive under D3 the overall of, uh, ranking of offerors if the ranking was developed. That might be helpful if, um, if you are seventh out of eight offerors. Uh, one of the things that you'll have a problem showing uh, or you might have a problem showing is competitive prejudice because you've got uh, a couple of offerors ahead of you in line if there was a, a really strong competition. And so that could be an indication of, of maybe the weakness of your proposal. But that's not necessarily true. There could have been proposal flaws, but that's just something to think about. Uh, you'll also receive the summary of the rationale for the award. Uh, if it's a commercial item acquisition, you're also going to get the make and model of the item that the awardee is going to be furnishing the government. And again, uh, number six, similar to uh, the pre-award debrief, uh, reasonable responses to relevant questions about whether source selection procedures contained in the solicitation, applicable regs, and other authorities were followed. So that's what you're going to be receiving in the uh, at a minimum. So uh, obviously the agency is free to give you a little bit more information than that, provided that it doesn't conflict with the uh, pro prohibitions under uh, 15506E. And so now that we have an idea of what offerors are going to be receiving during uh, a pre-award debriefing and what information the offerors are going to be receiving in a post-award debriefing, the next question is then, well, how do we get the most out of our debriefings? Well, again, let's focus back to the thing that I mentioned at the top of the podcast episode. Uh, the theme of a debriefing is relationship building exercise and information gathering exercise. And so uh, in that respect, always request a debriefing, win or lose. If you're the awardee and you won, you, you're going to want to find out. Uh, not only are you going to want to build a relationship with the agency or continue that relationship, but you're going to want to find out maybe what kind of information in your proposal wasn't as clear as you thought it was and what they didn't like about your proposal. You can always have an opportunity to improve uh, future proposals, so that would be important. If the procurement is strategically significant to your company, or if it's a large dollar value, for example, or if it's in a new area, and you think that this is going to be protested, uh, attend the debriefing if you're the awardee, uh, and, and pay attention to what the agency is saying, take notes, get an idea of the basis for the evaluation. Obviously, you're building a relationship with the folks there, but if you think, again, it's going to be protested and you, you're going to intervene in that protest, attending the debriefing will be helpful in that protest defense, at least to help you or your outside counsel to get off to a, a good start, so to speak. Uh, if you're the un, unsuccessful offeror, again, um, not only are you using it as an opportunity to build relationships with agency personnel, uh, maybe it's quite, quite entirely possible that there are other opportunities coming down the pike that the contracting officer is going to be working on and they might think that well, this person had a good showing, maybe they'll be a better uh, fit for this other opportunity. But if you come in there, uh, you know, guns blazing, so to speak, you might uh, destroy that uh, potential opportunity. So again, you're, if you've, even if you've lost, you're thinking relationship building and information gathering. And so when we're thinking about information gathering, uh, how do we do that? What are we thinking about? Well, again, it helps to turn back to uh, the FAR whether it's a pre- or post-award debrief, but for the, for the purposes of the examples that I'm going to be giving, let's focus on a post-award debrief. So you've lost the award, and look, it can be a stinger. I work for government contractors. When we want to recompete, when we want an award, everyone's happy. You know, Carvel ice cream cake in the conference room. People are excited. A company's going to be growing. Uh, where you lose, it's a somber attitude. People are, you know, 
uh, a little bit more upset, frustrated, trying to figure out what happened. Uh, but despite that, um, those feelings of uh, disappointment, you know, hopefully a couple of days have passed by the time you receive your briefing and you'll be in a position to where you can kind of come in clear headed. But when we're preparing for the debriefing, it's going to be helpful to focus on, again, the under FAR 15506D, what you're going to be receiving. So knowing that information and also what you're going to want to do is reread your proposal over and over again, see what you offered, compare that with what the RFP said this agency was looking for, and importantly, paying attention to Section M, how you are going to be evaluated. And that is important because it'll help get you in a position where you can formulate questions that um, that you can submit hopefully in advance to the agency uh, to get an idea of you know what happened during the evaluation and that how can you better prepare yourself. So again, taking in con- in consideration the uh, the requirements under the FAR, we've got you know hey, do we have any significant weaknesses or deficiencies? Please explain those to us. Um, did we comply with all the technical requirements? Did we miss something? Um, you know, did if it were uh, if a price realism analysis was required on the solicitation, did you perform one? Um, did you did you have an uh, independent government cost estimate? Um, how was past performance evaluated? For example, uh, how, how did you what 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 were you thinking when you made your trade off decision? What elements of the technical aspects were were, were more important? How did that trade off occur? Uh, did we have any risk in our proposal? Uh, I don't want to go on too long with these questions, but suffice to say that there are a number of resources online for, from, from other uh, consultants and other companies out there that have sort of compiled sort of lessons learned, how you can approach the debriefing and what questions you can ask and, and you want to, to furnish to the agency. Uh, but these are the things that you should be thinking out prior to the debrief. And so you have an idea of um, not only when you're heading in there, hopefully they'll provide you with written answers so you can see them. Uh, but also, um, you know, to help the conversation move, especially, look, if you if you lost and you got hammered, for example, uh, seven or eight significant weaknesses or a deficiency, you know, trying to overcome that in a GAO protest might be very challenging because you've got a lot of ground to cover, uh, particularly if, if you missed a government requirement, then you, you'll be ineligible if, you, if it, the solicitation says you can be rejected for failing to meet a, a requirement. But, you know, if you got hammered, maybe it's an opportunity to really focus on, hey, look, we need to get better for the next procurement. Uh, on the other hand, look, if it's a procurement where you had the lower price, but it came to a trade-off and, you know, you're trying to figure out what went wrong, uh, you know, why did the awardee uh, get credit for something? Uh, that you didn't get credit for if it seems like there was some sort of unequal treatment for providing the same type of solution. And so these are the type of things you want to be thinking out, uh, thinking about prior to the debriefing. And when you're heading into the briefing, uh, one thing to remember is if you're, you know, the agency is permitted to, to conduct the debriefing in any manner it sees fit, really, uh, can be orally, on the phone, face-to-face, on Skype. Uh, they can write it down, send you a PowerPoint deck. I mean, they really have a lot of latitude under the FAR. Uh, but if you're uh, having a phone debriefing or a conference call or Skype or in person, uh, have someone transcribe it. You know, show up there, have someone whose sole duty is to just take notes uh, and, and copy what the agency is saying down. Hopefully, you'll get some more information besides a, a conversation, maybe some you know, questions, answers to your questions or a PowerPoint. 
Uh, but that's something that you want to do. Uh, and in addition, when you're in the debriefing, again, you're going to want to be polite. Whether you win or lose, you want to show the agency that you've got decorum here, particularly if you've lost. Uh, now's not the time to be trying to argue that you should have gotten a better score or, you know, you know we should have been rated uh, excellent here because of, of this, this, and this. We don't understand that. I mean, you know, leave the um, the emotion out of it and really approach the debrief, uh, particularly with respect to if you've lost, as a, not only the relationship building exercise, but getting the information. And so now that you've attended the debrief, you, you've got some answers to the questions, maybe sent them in advance so the agency is at least aware of what you're thinking. Uh, you've gotten responses during the brief. You've brought someone with you, uh, if it was on the phone or in person, to take notes. And now you got to go do your post-debriefing you know, uh, lessons learned session. So you're back at the office. You grab the LT. So you got your leadership team. you got your proposal folks. What went wrong? How can we improve? Uh, you know, if you got hammered, you know, what can you do to make a, your proposal stronger for the next go around? Maybe you lost, but the agency has you in mind for something better or a different procurement coming down the pike. Did you did you show that you know showcase that your your abilities and you're you're not a sore loser? Did you have a positive attitude? Um, you know, if it, it was a close call, or you think, for example, that the agency made errors in the procurement, then this is also your time to take those notes and 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 potentially. Um, you know, involve your outside counsel in trying to figure out whether or not you want to pursue a protest. Uh, though not the subject of this uh, podcast, you know, typical strong GAO protest grounds are rooted in procedural laws and not subjective differences. So if if you're just merely upset with the agency's evaluation, but you can't find a procedural hook, uh, chances are you're going to have a hard time uh, achieving a sustained GAO or even um, getting the agency to voluntarily take corrective action. But if, on the other hand, you've got procedural errors, so you, you learn during the debriefing that the agency really focused on a couple things that for why the awardee was, uh, you know, credited with strengths, or that's the reason why the, the trade-off went in their favor that seemed to be outside of Section M, you might be thinking, well, if we would have known that, we would have focused on those issues in our proposal, but it wasn't part of the evaluation methodology. So why, you know, how, why are we being evaluated on that? Or why are they getting credit for it? You know, and that's something that might um, lead you to believe that the agency traveled outside of the evaluation methodology as set forth in the solicitation and making its award decision, which would be uh, sort of a procedural error, so to speak. Um, if a realism, price realism was required, you know, and the, the awardee's price was, was very low. Did they think uh, there was risk of unsuccessful performance due to the, the low, low price that they offered? And so these are the type of procedural flaws, and there are others. Um, you know, if you go to GEO's website and you look for their bid protest annual report to Congress, uh, going back to, I believe, 2013, every year they show the most prevalent grounds that GEO sustained protests. So you can see the three or four or five uh, grounds that sort of pop up every year. And those are really unequal, uh, a flawed technical decision, uh, uh, you know, unequal treatment, failure to document, uh, unreasonable trade-off decision. I mean, they're all very similar, but that gives you an idea of what what GEO tends to think are the stronger arguments that, that either give rise to a sustain or even um, might lead the agency to take corrective action voluntarily. So now that we've sort of gone over, let's do a quick recap here. We've got uh, the briefings. Two things to think about are relationship building and, and information gathering. 
If you've got a FAR Part 15 negotiated procurement or a task or delivery order that exceeds $5.5 million, uh, pursuant to FAR Subpart 16.505, you have the option to have a debriefing. Uh, for it to be required, it's got to be timely requested. Uh, that's the three-day rule. Get it in early. For pre-award debriefings uh, and post-award debriefings, take the first date offered always. Uh, if it's a pre-award debriefing, don't voluntarily delay it until after the award uh, because that can have an impact on a protest. Let the agency make that decision if they want to. Uh, the, the information that you're going to be receiving under pre-award is under 15505. Uh, for post-award, the information uh, that you'll be receiving is under 15506. Uh, and, and, and you have that, three, like I said, three-day limitation to, to get your debriefing in. And, and, and again, for, for the folks who are, are thinking about uh, how to approach it, you know, it's pretty apparent when you say it out loud, but you've got really three phases of the debriefing, the pre-debriefing, the debriefing, and the post-debriefing. And utilize that to your advantage to uh, not only get some information out of the, uh, the agency, showcase your company, build the relationship and see how you can improve because uh, what is not measured cannot improve. And so this is an opportunity to be measured, so to speak. Uh, and whether you win or lose, again, request the debriefing because this is an important exercise that's not available, quite frankly, in the commercial space. And so with that, I want to thank everyone for joining us on today's episode where we discuss debriefings and what contractors can do to get the most out of them. And so thank you for joining us on the GovCon Judicata podcast. We hope to see you next time. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the GovCon Judicata podcast. My name is Joshua Duvall, and I want to thank our sponsor, Matross Edwards, Government Contracts and Cybersecurity Attorneys. We really hope you enjoyed the show today. And if you did, please give us a follow on LinkedIn and Twitter at GovCon Judicata. For more content, you can also visit the blog, govconjudicata.com. And for more episodes, you can always check out govconjudicatapodcast.com. Thanks again, and we look forward to seeing you next time on the GovCon Judicata Podcast.